I'm Steve Schlanger, and you are listening to the Peloton of Fun podcast. Please enjoy the Peloton of Fun podcast. But in case you don't know me, I'm Phil Ligon. Hi, everybody. I'm Paul Sherwin. Tune in, wind it up, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Peloton of Fun. This is Ryland. This is Emily. And this is our Tour de France 2020 wrap. What a race. Ryland, if you would have told me even like a month ago that it was going to be this exciting, I would have never guessed, especially during the year of COVID. We didn't know it was going to happen. Um, it was just above and beyond. Definitely more exciting than a normal Tour de France. It was incredible. I, I can't believe I'm the first one to invoke Lance Armstrong, but he called it perhaps the best race he had ever seen. Um, I'm sure in our lifetime, because given the history of the tour, there has been so many historical battles, like mano y mano. And I think, you know, someone like a Phil Leggett who comments on these, they always talk about it. But um, for us, we've never like witnessed our own with our own eyes. Um, so it was just so special to be able to watch it um, in real time. Uh, indeed. All right, we will get to all of this. But first, let me remind you that you're listening to the Peloton of Fun. You can find us by going to soundcloud.com slash Peloton of Fun. You can find us on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and all of your other podcast apps where you can leave us a review and a rating. You can find us on Instagram at Peloton of Fun, or you can email us Peloton of Fun at gmail.com. So uh, let's we're gonna we're gonna go through um, all of the race via our traditional or, or newly traditional as of last year grading of the teams. Um, but before we do that, let's just talk about some um, overall main takeaways that would it, it would be a shame not to mention off the top. The um, main one, of course, being Tade Pogachar and his unbelievable, incredible ITT. Uh, that took the entire tour for him uh, on stage 20, the penultimate stage. It was really something to behold. And, and we just couldn't, for the, for the entire rest of the day, I was just walking around saying, I can't believe that happened. Yeah, I mean, my question to you is, Ryland, are we seeing this like transition between the old guard and the new guard is like this is the year that's going to define the next generation of cyclists especially someone like Picardra they were saying he was not racing with a power meter he was just racing you know on his according to his what is it like free will I I have an interesting question I I think that that's I do think that there's something to be said for that I don't know if that's my biggest question though because um, we could have said the same thing last year with Egan Bernal. He's a young rider, obviously. Um, and we saw a really, really excellent performance throughout the, the whole tour from from Primoz Roglic. And Primoz Roglic is not considered part of that new generation. He's 29, 30 years old. And he um, obviously came to cycling late. But he, I think the bigger question is, are we seeing the emergence of a new dominant rider is Tadej Pogacar going to start winning every single race that he enters and will people like Egan Bernal and uh, Sergio Aguita and a, a lot of these other young up-and-coming great riders Remco Evenpole, Mark Hershey who really emerged in this tour um, 
will they be chasing Tadej Pogachar in the same way that, that, you know, Team Sky slash Ineos' dominance has just been at the forefront for the last five or six years? Yeah, and I think just from watching the race from different platforms and different commentators, everyone always is like, I don't know much about him. We don't know this. We don't know that. So there's just so many question marks on what's going to happen, even for the rest of the year. We have no idea. But if I was, you know, him, I'm still going to go for it. He seems to be someone he just likes to ride his bike. And um, and without so much pressure from, I think, the team and different forces, crazy sponsors, expectations. So if I were him, I would just seize the moment. So uh, another main takeaway, Primoz Roglic, as I mentioned, rode an incredible race. More importantly, Jumbo Visma rode an incredible race until stage 20, until that ITT. That being said, Primoz Roglic still came in fifth place overall on the ITT with some extremely high-powered riders up there uh, like Tom Dumoulin. So I, I don't think we can just you know, chalk this one up as Primoz Roglic rich cracking at the end of the tour. I just think that it, it really um, goes to, to Pogachar and his strength. We'll, we'll talk more about Jumbo as a team, um, but any thoughts on just Primoz Roglic and, and his tour overall? Yeah, I think they rode a very defensive race. We didn't see them attacking that many times in the mountains, and I think that's probably one of the issues with the, the gap being too small. But I think end of the day, after so many days, when you have a bad day, an off day, and especially during ITT where you are so exposed, um, that was the worst time to have a bad day. Uh on a, on a, a much uh, lighter note, uh, Richie Port on the podium. That was awesome to see. Did you see that coming? Um, I think we were always, not we, but I think I was always um, hoping the biggest win for Richie at this tour is to finish the tour. And then a reach for Richie will be maybe like a top 10 finish will be really good. Um, but to get on the podium, it's like he definitely deserve it after so many years of crashes and injuries and I think he always had pretty bad luck after going to Trek. Um, so it's just nice to see in his last year at Trek that he got on the podium. And one final takeaway before we get to the teams, and that is Sam Bennett winning the green jersey over Primoz Roglic. Um, or excuse me, over Peter Sagan, obviously. Uh, big surprise there, but it, it seemed like things were kind of moving against Peter from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, did you think Peter... I think going into the tour, we probably thought Peter had like 50-50% chance of... He can't always be dominating, just like how Chris Froome can't dominate the yellow jersey forever and ever. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if it's necessarily about the, the strength of Peter Sagan and more about the tactics of the other team, because I think I think Peter has won so many of these green jerseys because he has very aggressively tried to go after those mid-stage sprints, those those extra points, and, and also just his strength as an overall rider, being able to carry him to the finish uh, and get into the points on certain stages where the other sprinters had been dropped earlier on. But when when we saw a team like Sam, like Dakota uh, Quickstep decide that they were going to go after it with Sam Bennett, I think it was clear that Sam Bennett was a faster sprinter than Peter from the beginning. That wasn't really the question. The question was, 
was he going to be able to hang in there through a lot of those stages and get up into those late stage sprint points? And, and the answer was yes, he clearly was. And the fact that there were some stages he maybe wasn't as strong didn't matter because he was still beating Peter by two or three people on all of the stages he did. So the points um, accumulated. But if you look at someone like Caleb Ewan, who had a pretty decent or, or great Tour de France, he won two stages, but he just never went after a single other sprint point, right? All he cared about was stage wins, and the green jersey wasn't a big deal to him. I, I think you can chalk up Peter's loss of the green jersey to other teams caring more about winning the green jersey. Yeah, and I think um, Sam Bennett used to be on Bora, but now he's like on a complete separate team. There's no longer pressure to be like the second person after Peter on the same team. And clearly he had the skill and enough power to win the green jersey. So there's a ton of other talking points, and uh, we'll get to them as we go through the teams. Um, so uh, if, you, if you're if you a, a longtime Peloton of Fun listener, you'll remember we've done um, all last year we were uh, grading, or, or I should say we were, we were tallying the points for the uh, different races and grand tours based on um, certain uh, criteria. So basically, um, if you uh, win a stage, if you have a day in one of the leaders' jerseys, if you get a most aggressive rider, combative rider prize, uh, you get points, and then the overall podium is given points. So we take all of those different um, categories and we count them all up and we're left with an order of teams. And so we're gonna go through the teams and we're going to talk about um, what they achieved and we're going to give them a letter grade. We haven't done the letter grade part yet, so this is kind of a real-time letter grading. Um, and we're going to do this in a little bit of a weird order. We're going to start at the bottom, we're going to talk about the worst teams, and then we're going to jump all the way up to the top and work backwards from there. All right, so let's start. There were three teams out of 22 that received zero points. That means they did not have a single stage win, zero days in jerseys, no most competitive rider, and did not have a rider on the overall podium. And those three teams are NTT, Kofidis, and Arkea Samsic. So we'll come to Arkea Samsic in a second, but NTT, uh, they were there with the uh, the, the newly crowned... Um, uh, European sprinter uh, champion there. He did nothing. Kofidis was there with the former winner of that. Um, uh, Ilya Viviani, he did nothing. Uh, you think it's fair to give them Fs? Um, did anybody on those teams have COVID? <laughs> I don't think so. Then they should get an F+. Plus. <laughs> and then Arkea Samsic, a team there ostensibly for the GC with Nairo Quintana and also Warren Bargill. Um, they did nothing. Uh, it was not Nairo's year. And, uh, Emily, you've been following some of the news with Arkea Samsic after the tour. Do you want to explain what's been going on? I mean, there's nothing to say right now. They just got the hotel rooms got raided by the police. It was like... Winner Anacona's hotel, Nairo, his brother, um, they found quote-unquote suspicious items in the hotel rooms that could be qualified as doping, but nothing has been publicly announced. They have publicly announced that they're launching an investigation. They're launching an investigation, but you know what, these things is interesting because they kind of take these things so seriously in today's cycling uh, competition. So if there's some sort of, you know, uh, clue, 
then there's got to be, like they made it a point to making the announcement about investigation. That means there's something, something there. And it's kind of sad in a way. Well, what's really sad is if this is Nairo doping, that is not a very good uh, uh, advertisement for whatever it is that he's using for doping because he did not look strong. No, like if you're doping, at least you should be like performing the top five, maybe. Or riding the way that Wout Van Aert ran, rode where he was just on the front of every every uh, train and just looking unstoppable. No, 100%. And it's just sad because as we know, like this is like on the decline of Nairo's career. So just to be like doping. Ugh. All right. So what do, what do you give Arkea? An F? Oh, 100. No, like an F minus now because they got their hotel rooms rated. All right. So uh, there were two teams that had one point each. Uh, Israel Startup Nation, uh, the for- the future home of Chris Froome and a whole bunch of other writers. They had one point for the Combativity Award on stage four that was won by Chris Neelans. And then um, B&B, uh, another one of the wildcard teams, they had one point for Pierre Roland's Combativity Award on stage 15. Um what do you think they deserve? Uh, is this are these D minuses? D? What do you think? Um, combativity award. I mean, I assume that's pretty easy to win if you just like try your best to get it at the front and then just like try to break away. I mean, you don't have to try that hard to break away. Sometimes, mm, I think maybe still an F. I think we got to give a little bit of a nod to B and B since they were a wild card team. They're not a world tour team. At least they got one point, as whereas uh, you know these other teams got zero. Okay, fine. So uh, I'll give them a D plus. Okay. Uh, Total Direct Energy got two points. Uh, two points because of the Jerome Kazan Combativity Award on stage three. He was in the breakaway quite a bit. Only won the Combativity once. And then uh, Fabian Greller had one day in the King of the Mountains jersey on stage two. Uh, did good on that first day. So uh, I think they deserve probably a C for a team that has not a lot of hopes going into the tour. I mean, to be really honest, speaking of combativity, like I'm just imagining myself as like if I'm in the Peloton and... It must be, like, super scary if you're young, right? Like, if you're new to the Peloton and your team is, like, you need to break away. Like, can you imagine there's, you need to, like, especially at the Tour de France when the camera is right there and they have a dedicated cameraman motorcade to be on the breakaway. It just must be super scary. Well, a team that's not new to the Peloton and a rider that's certainly not new to the Peloton is uh, CCC and Misha Shar. He uh, won the Combativity Award on stage one and uh, was in green on stage two because of being out in the breakaway and getting those sprint points. Um, what do you think? CCC, not a great tour for them. Didn't Saw Greg Van Avermaet's gold helmet out there quite a bit, but... I mean, not really much to speak about. Uh, I guess their sprinter came in third in the green jersey competition, but still. Maybe like a D plus. Yeah, yeah, not good. Not good for CCC's uh, likely final uh, Tour de France. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three points for Groupama FDJ. This was a really, really awful tour for them. Uh, Thibaut Pino was having back issues. Uh, he did finish the tour. I hadn't heard his name mentioned in like three or four days and I just figured he dropped out but he did finish the tour um they had three points all for different combativity awards two for Stefan Kung one for Matthew Ladinois 
but but oof, just a stinker of a tour for them. Why are they so loyal to um, Thibaut Pino? I mean, that's what happens when you're a French cycling star, I guess. But is he a fr- is he really a French cycling star? He'd look better than Roman Bardet. A hundred percent agree for this particular tour, but it's like, it's just like, how many years do we have to like lean into Thibaut Pino? Yeah, not too many more, I'd imagine. Right. It's like they need something new. Uh, so what do you give Groupama FDJ? Um, probably like a D. D. All right, one more team at the bottom. Uh, this is sort of surprising, but this is the way that our scoring system works. Bahrain-McLaren, they only received seven points. They were very aggressive for a lot of the race and out there leading um, the peloton uh, when there were breakaways, trying to bring back the breakaway for Mikel Landa, but it didn't work. Landa ended up in fourth place off the podium, so they got a few points there. Uh, Damiano Caruso also got scored a, a one point for coming in 10th place. Uh, and then Walt Poles got a, a combativity award on stage five, which I don't remember that happening because I feel like I heard Walt Poles' name like two or three times during the uh, tour. And uh, at least one of them was when uh, Phil Liggett accidentally called Walt Von Art Walt Poles. <laughs> I mean, I think this is definitely maybe like a C minus type of rating. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's if nothing else, because of the amount of effort they put in to only get those seven points. So much effort. It's like poor team people have to ride for Michelanda, and he kind of cracks in these mountain sta- stages, and they always run in the front. It's just like it doesn't work out. All right, so uh, now we're going to take a wild twist in our grading and jump all the way up to the very top and talk about UAE Team Emirates. They were the number one team in our rating uh, with 82 points. They crushed it. They beat Yumbo Visma by 29 points. Uh, and that's not just because of the win. Christoph, Alexander Christoph won stage one. Remember that incredible, crazy, rainy crash-filled stage that feels like it was about two years ago now. Um, That was, and then he had a a day in the yellow the next day because of that, of course. He was also in green on stage three. Uh, Tade Pogacar, uh, aside from winning the Tour de France, also spent 11 days in white, two days in the King of the Mountain jersey, uh, just the last one as well. Um, He had only the one day in yellow. How funny is that? He was he was in yellow on the Champs Elysees. His only day in the yellow jersey. He won three stages, though. Don't forget, he won stage nine. He won stage fifteen, and of course, he won the ITT on stage twenty. And he took the overall yellow jersey, white jersey, and polka dot jersey. The first rider to win three jerseys in any of our lifetimes, obviously. Uh, it was pretty impressive. Uh, it was extremely impressive. What am I saying? It was the most impressive thing I've ever seen in cycling, in fact. Um, but UAE, uh, other than Christoph and Pogachar, not a whole lot of bossing of the peloton. Not, not, Fabio Aru was there, but he um, crashed out or dropped out relatively early. Uh, it, was, uh, it was really, um, you know, the, the Yumbo and Bahrain Merida and some other team shows. And, and Tade Pogachar just kind of got to ride along. I think that's a great tactic, don't you think? You're saving all of your riders. People are not tired. And um, even though, you know, Pogachar lost like a minute and a half or a minute 50 at during the crosswind stage, and then he kind of flew off everyone's radar. Nobody saw him as a threat. So when he attacked, like people barely followed. 
And um, he, you know, it's like 50% is like his team was fine, it was good. And then the other half was like he just performed really well. That's a good point. So, so he lost all that time early on, kind of dropped off of, not necessarily off of people's radar, but, but they realized that, um, you know, it was very clear he was the second strongest rider. It turns out he was definitely the strongest rider, but it was very clear that um, from the last week he was going to come in second most likely. Um, but because he lost all that time, it didn't matter he didn't have a strong team. It mattered that he didn't have a strong team that he lost that time in the first place. But had he not lost all that time in the crosswinds, what what would have been different throughout, right? Like, would, would Jumbo Visma have had to attack? And would there have been a very different story throughout the second and third week? Oh my, 100%. You have to. Um, that's why Jumbo, in the beginning, I said they played like a very defensive race. You kind of had, you probably need more opportunities to attack. And I don't, re- I honestly can't even tell you the stages where Primoz Rokulic did attack that many times that made the race that exciting. Because, you know, if you look back on just like our era, when I can remember a dozen of times when Chris Froome finished on the top of Melvin 2, um, and those moments are very iconic. And um, even for something like a Bradley Wiggins, but I just don't remember the stage when Primo's like done anything. That's true. No, it's totally true. It's almost like the other riders just kind of kept falling away and he kept looking strong. Um, so uh, Roglic did win stage four, to be fair, but and he did look very strong. But um, but yeah, it was it was um... like he didn't lose time against the people that really mattered mm-hmm. versus be in front of everybody and gaining time right. and everybody else just suffered and then stage four when there was like that big drastic climb he took the stage and everybody else was like a little bit behind him but it wasn't a big time difference it wasn't a big time difference even you know i think pokerchar lost time against him too but i think since it was so early Everybody else had a lot of time to catch up to him for the rest of the stages. So uh, UAE winning our competition, our points competition by twenty nine points. We're we're giving them an A, A plus, right? A hundred percent, and they also got the most money out of the Tour de France. Yeah, half a million dollar prize, half a million euro prize for the win. Just for yellow jersey, plus all the other jerseys. Although it was interesting, I'd noticed the other jerseys weren't that much. I think the king of the mountains is like twenty five thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, well, okay, let's move on to Yumbo Visma then coming in second place on 53 points. Um, other than other than Roglic, we need to talk about this team because the team is incredible. Wout Van Aert won stages five and seven. Tom Dumoulin looked incredible throughout coming in seventh overall. Um, Roglic, of course, won uh, stage four, as we mentioned, and spent 11 days in yellow and obviously came in second overall. Sepp Kuss looked incredible. George Bennett, maybe not the best race, but he was there for them and didn't really need to be incredible. I think Sepp Kuss, I was so surprised early on because Tom Dumoulin, Wout Van Aert would pull for, you know, seven kilometers up a 10 kilometer climb. Finally, Wout Van Aert would pull off 
and uh, and you'd expect Sepp Kuss to take it up, but no, Tom Dumoulin was next. And and by the time that Tom Dumoulin was done, there were only a few hundred meters left for for uh, Primoz to go for it. Um, and at that point, Sepp Kuss didn't really have anything to do, so he was just there to counter any attacks. Very defensive, as you mentioned. Um, but Wout Van Aert's an incredible rider, and it it you know as I was watching Tadej Pogacar increase the time on Primoz Roglic, all I could think about was le- less about Pogacar and more about how sad I felt for Jumbo Visma for, for losing this win because they had just such a great team and I, they all expected to be winners. Oh, yeah. I mean, just to see Tom Dumoulin day after day polling in the mountains. He is a former Giro d'Italia winner. He is a GC himself nor- under normal circumstances. Um and then also they had Tony Martin as a road captain. I mean, all the cards were with them, but unfortunately, it's like, again, your luck just runs out. So how do we grade a team like that if, if they were riding an A-plus race but ended up in second place? Um, I think end of the day is a C because they failed because their only Ouch. goal is to win the yellow jersey, and they did not get the yellow jersey. And again, I think in the words of... People they don't people don't remember people in second places. They remember the winners. I I have to disagree just slightly because of the fact that we're I mean that's serious grading on a curve. They did win three stages. So anytime you go to a three week race and win three stages, you deserve better than a C. Um, I'm gonna give them a B plus. But do you think at end of the tour the team is like happy going home in their I don't know, private buses and it's like cheering or you're thinking they're like semi-depressed. Oh yeah, they're depressed, but that's, they don't need your grade of a C to make me even more depressed. Sorry. Okay. Okay. So, so let's move on then to, to kind of quick step who were just three points behind Yumbo Visma on 50 points, um, two stage wins, both by Alaphilippe, uh, or sorry, no, one stage win by Alaphilippe, um, and then three days in yellow early on. Uh, Alaphilippe also won the Combativity Award on stage 17, and then Sam Bennett won two stages on uh, stage 10, and then the incredible um, Champs-Élysées sprint. So, sorry, three overall stage wins by Dakuna Quickstep, which was the same as Jumbo Visma, I should mention. Uh, Remy Cavagna took a Combativity stage, and then, of course, Sam Bennett had his third days in green and the overall green jersey so um, this is one of those cases where uh, maybe uh, they had fewer points than Yumbo Visma but I think they deserve an A they won the green jersey Alaphilippe had some days in yellow won a stage uh, I can't imagine that anyone at the kind of quick step is feeling bad about this tour no totally an A they were never like a quote-unquote GC team we didn't expect them to be they were always you know stages or sprint wins and they accomplished that with the green jersey on their back. So completely all their goals have met at this year's tour. So it was a huge win for this team. Let's talk about Alaphilippe a little bit more really quick. Because remember, Alaphilippe had such um, a strong race last year. You know, 17 days in yellow or whatever it ended up, ended up being. Um Looked like he had a chance to win the tour, though clearly it, uh, he wasn't as strong when they got to the high Alps. Um, 
he hasn't looked as good since. There's been some talk about whether he pushed it too hard in that tour. Uh, he did win a stage and did take yellow. He then lost yellow with the uh, with the time. Uh, he got docked some time um, for taking a bottle too late, and he never got it back. But but how did you think he looked? And, and do you think that, other than to kind of quick step and Sam Bennett and just having a great team, do you think that this was a successful uh, tour for, for Alaphilippe? Mm, I don't, I think so with his days in yellow. I, I mean, personally, it would have been a miracle if he stayed in yellow or if he was able to hang out with the rest of the GC guys in the mountains for what he accomplished, I think is really great. Um, I don't think I ever had like crazy amount of expectations from him. Okay, um, then let's next talk about Sunweb. A relatively large drop down to the fourth place team on our list, Sunweb on 33 points. Um, but I don't think anyone can uh, argue that this was an incredibly good tour for Sunweb. Uh, Mark Hershey won stage 12. Uh, Soren Craig Anderson won both stages 14 and 19. So Sunweb on three wins. Um, Mark Hershey spent two days in white, and he won the Combativity Award three different days and took the overall Combativity Award, obviously. And Nico Roach won a Combativity Award as well on stage six. So um, Sunweb, a team that came without a real... um, without a real contender for either the GC or the green jersey, ended up uh, having an incredibly good tour. Uh, maybe even an A tour, A minus? What do you think? Definitely A minus. I mean, again, every day on the bus, they probably have these goals, right? And if you don't win it because you got like second place sometimes, it's like if you don't get it this time, that's okay. You are encouraged to try again. And after so many tries, you eventually win a stage. And even to win a stage at the tour is huge. So the fact that they have multiple stage wins um, is incredible. Yeah, I, I had never heard of Mark Hershey. Uh, I don't think anyone had really going into this race, but um, he has clearly established himself as a, a really strong rider um and it'll be uh part of that new young generation that you mentioned uh, so it'll be fun to watch him but it's like his contract up is that why he's like combating in front so many times on so many days like i'm just kind of confused we need to look into this uh in fifth place uh in our rankings is ag2r um that's really where you know, there's a pretty big jump down, not necessarily in points, but just in class. UAE, Jumbo Visma, to kind of quick step, Sunweb, those four teams were the really strong teams. Big drop down to AG2R. Nance Peters did win um, stage seven. Uh, and then I think a big part of this is Benoit Kosenfroy, who had 15 days in the King of the Mountain jersey and won Combativity Award. Nance Peters also won a Combativity Award. But, um, you know, AG2R thought of as a GC team, at least this year, with uh, Roman Bardet. Roman Bardet crashed out, had some kind of brain contusion or something. It was not good. Um, He did finish that day, but then didn't start the next day. Um, And uh, and it's hard to think of this as a a successful tour for them, even though Benoit Kosnoferi did spend so much time in the polka dots. Um, How do you you rate overall uh, a performance like that? Um, probably like a 
B minus, even like a C plus, because I think we had a lot of expectations. Once again, for Robin Bardet, um, especially, he does do well. He doesn't always like win, and but he's always, you know, like somewhere in the top five. And um, yeah, I don't know, kind of disappointing. Yeah, I'll go with the B minus. Uh, next up, movie star, twenty points, uh, almost completely on the back of the fact that they spent ten days as the overall highest ranked team, and then took the honors for best team. Uh, Enrique Moss was their only rider in the top ten, though finishing fifth. Um, I'm just confused. I'm confused because, like, did they just all decided to ride together in like the second peloton? Because I don't remember ever seeing them on TV. They didn't look threatening, that's for sure. They didn't, nobody really stood out um, in the main peloton with the Dealer Jersey group. It's like, where were they? They were there. I remember seeing Enrique Moss and Valverde Ver in the selection when it would get down to the top 15 riders or so. They were both always there, um, but they certainly never looked like attacking. So they're just sitting around, and then the rest of the team was just like right behind them. Is that hey, why you're they... the one who picked Valverde to win this. You have to explain it. <laughs> I know. So it's like, is that why they win the team competition? Because it's like, four, how many riders? Four three, riders? Three. Top three riders. So top three riders. Okay, so you just need like one more person to be like hang around. All right, that's like not as hard. Uh, what do you give Movistar? I don't know. They could have done more. Don't you think they could have done more? Valverde, like former world champion, he's a punchy rider. Could have seen him maybe attack a little bit more in these like punchy stages, and there are quite a bit of punchy stage. Um, I don't know. Give them a C. It's fair enough. C for Movie Star. All right, three teams were tied on sixteen points in seventh place. Uh, those would be uh, Astana, uh, EF, and Ineos. Astana won stage six with Alexei Lutsenko. And they won stage 17 by Superman Miguel Angel Lopez. Lopez, of course, finished sixth overall after falling off the podium. Um, meanwhile, EF won stage 13 with Danny Martinez. They were uh, had the eighth overall rider with Rigoberto Uran. And uh, they spent seven days as the team leaders. Of course, uh, notably... Um, Sergio Aguita had a bad crash and couldn't finish, which was very unfortunate because he was looking strong. And had he finished, they may have uh, done a little bit better in that team competition. Ineos, um, they won stage 18 in a really dramatic and fun uh, stage with Kwiatkowski and Richard Carapaz uh, way off the front, finishing arm in arm, the win going to Kwiatkowski. Carapaz spent two days in the King of the Mountain jerseys. He won a combativity award, and uh, Egan Bernal has spent six days in white and did not finish the race. So let's start up at the top there. Astana, what do you give him? Mm, Probably (sighs) like a C. So one, two stage wins, and they only get a C. I mean, I just feel like Stana, Alexia Lutsenko, like he's a really good rider normally, right? I don't know. I just think normally Stana actually has a pretty good team. Um, they have climbers on their team. I don't know. Expect it more. I'll give him a C plus. Uh, how about EF? Ooh, eighth overall, Igorbrote Iran. I was hoping he can make it onto the podium this year. Mm, probably. 
like a C plus? I'll give him a B minus because I do think that that stage win is a pretty good result for EF. You're not go. They're they're certainly not winning stages at every Grand Tour. Right. Ineos. And then that brings us to Ineos. So huge expectations, obviously. Egan Bernal did not finish. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of drama over selection. We don't need to relive that. But um, but that stage 18, that was super fun to see Kwiatkowski and Carapaz come across the line like that. That that saved their tour for sure. They would have been. But did it really save their tour? Well, certainly a lot better than had that not happened. Right, but I think I go back to my harsh criticism for Yumbo Visma. It's like their only goal is to win a yellow jersey, and if they didn't do that, I mean, I don't want to say, like, I don't care. They had all these other things, accomplishments. It's like they didn't win the yellow jersey. They are clearly always been the strongest team at the tour with very clear goals. So this time, I don't know, give them a D. Ooh. All right, well, let's talk about the riders. Um, Egan Bernal just didn't have it, right? What do you think about Richard Carapaz, though? Um, I don't know. didn't really matter. Did it matter? Well, it didn't matter in, the ter- in terms of the team performance for this tour, but I think it matters as far as his career and, and other Grand Tours. I mean, he's Grand Tour winner, um, and... Um, I thought he was impressive, you know. He he was out in the break for three days in a row. I was, if you had told me that that the most impressive rider on the entire squad a few weeks ago was going to be Richard Carapaz, I would say, wow, he must have had a great tour. I mean, I like the day when, the same day when they announced Burnout left, they had the stage one together. Um, but I feel like they had to make these different tactic decisions but in that way they could have played different cards with Egan Bernal and Carapaz on the same team they could have done one to punch because um, they've done it previous in previous years yeah it's almost like their tactics were nullified by Yumbo Visma using the same tactics and doing it better <laughs> exactly exactly um, I, I'm not going to be so harsh as to give them a D. I think they deserve a, a C minus, um, if for no other reason that they uh, they they did pull out that win and and that would you know I they they would have had a probably a F otherwise. So um, yeah, not a good not a good race for Ineos. Be really interesting to see if they can uh, do something in the next two Grand Tours to uh, to try to um, make up for that, but. Uh, but um, but they need to do something, and I don't know if Bernal is the answer, so we'll see. All right, moving on. Um, Bora, they were uh, on 14 points, tied in 10th place with Lada Sudal. We'll get to Lada Sudal in a second, but Bora's 14 points came from a win on stage 16 by Leonard Kamna. Peter spent five days in green, didn't, didn't win a stage, uh, Daniel Oss took a combativity award, and Max Shackman took a combativity award on stages 7 and 13, respectively. Not a great overall race for Bora. No, I think when they figure out when Peter's chances are getting smaller and smaller of winning the green jersey, they could have just pivoted to different strategy, either stage wins or, I, I mean, even if Peter tried to attack, 
more days, um, winning the combativity award, maybe on different stages. I think that would have been a lot better um, because they clearly have the capability of doing different types of strategies, but they didn't, right? They kind of just like, kept relying on Peter trying to catch up to Sam Bennett. I'm giving him a C minus. I don't think it's. I think it's too harsh to go lower than that, considering that, you know, they weren't didn't come with a real GC contender. But I'm guessing you're gonna give him something worse. No, probably like a C, C minus. I'm out like always one step. Mm, cr- cr- cruel. <laughs> uh, what about Lotto Sudal? Okay, so this is interesting because Bora, 14 points, more of a failure. Lotto Sudal came in support of. Uh, Caleb Ewan, and they won two stages. Um, the only sprinter, um, I believe the only sprinter other than, um, yeah, Sam Bennett won two stages. So the same amount of wins as any other sprinter. Uh, never in the f- hunt for the green jersey, but he looked great on those two stages. So what do we give them for those two stage wins by Ewan? Mm, a B. It makes sense, right? Because like, like the goal is to win stages with Caleb Ewan. And they have two stage wins out of the tour. Again, it's really hard to win a stage of the tour. And the fact that you win two is like your goals, you're done. You accomplish your goals. I agree, B. All right. And then our last two teams, uh, Mitchelton Scott was on 10 points. Adam Yates spent four days in accidental yellow and came in ninth overall. Not much else going for Mitchelton Scott. They said they were there for stage wins with Adam. Uh, they didn't win any stages, but uh, he did get in yellow. Yeah, yellow jersey, four days, four Lions, ninth overall. Mm, probably like a C plus, B minus scenario. Yeah, I think it's more of a C plus just because they didn't do anything else. You know, had they been able to pull something out of the bag um, in there, maybe with their Slovenian sprinter. <laughs> and then finally that brings us to trek they were also on 10 points uh maz peterson spent one day in the white jersey and the team spent three days in the lead and then richie port on the podium third place great so, sounds great they were there they had people protecting richie um when you know i think i was like looking at like Instagram and clearly they looked after him where he didn't lose like that much time that over one ITT he was able to go from was in like fifth place to third place um so clearly a win for the team so a B B plus Ooh B plus all right all right so as a quick way of recap that's an F for Archaea, Samsic, NTT, and Kofidis, pluses or minus at your will. Israel Startup Nation receives an F. Uh, BNB, we're giving a C minus to. Total Direct Energy, a D plus. CCC gets a D minus. Groupama, FDJ, a D. Bahrain, McLaren, a D. Jumping to the top, UAE with a solid A. Yumbo Visma, Emily gave Yumbo Visma a C. Seems a little harsh. I'm going to go with a B plus. Uh, Dakuna Quick Step, we're giving an A. Sunweb, an A minus. AG Tuara, B minus. Movistar, a C. Astana, a C. EF, a B minus. Ineos, a C minus. Bora, a C minus. Lotto Sudal, a B. Mitchelton Scott, a C plus. And Trek, a B slash B plus. All right, well, we've, gra- we've uh, 
graded all the teams. Now it's time to grade ourselves. Let's go over our predictions. Oh, the most fun part of any Grand Tour review. Class Sprinter. Uh, okay, so I think what we what we should do agree to do here is uh, one point if you were yeah, kind of close. I think it's it's worth it, and uh, three points if you nailed it. Okay. Uh, so Emily, your class sprinter was Caleb Ewan. He won two stages, the most of any other of any sprinter. Uh, did not win the green jersey though, but but I think I think you get three points for that. It's close. Uh, I chose Viviani. Zero. I don't know if you can do minus points, but if you could, I would. All right, white jersey. We both Ooh. chose egg and Bernal. We got two big fat goose eggs there. Uh, all right, team. Mm -mm. Emily chose Yumbo Visma. I chose Team EF. I think those are both zeros. The winner. Mm. Winner. Emily, go ahead and walk us through who we chose for winner. Um, we, I pick Valverde and Rylan Pittinger Bernal. So zeros and zeros. I don't even know why I picked Valverde back then. You seemed very sure. I tried to talk you out mm -hmm. of it. Okay, Dark Horse. Julian Alaphilippe, I picked him. Rylan picked Pogachar. Wow. Yes, the, the Dark Horse pick comes through. <gasps> Ooh, this is really good. I think we both should get the three points. I picked Roman Bardet, and you picked... Peter Sagan. These are to be the disappointment, we should say. Yeah, and they were disappointing. So who was more disappointing based on actual um, actual expectations, Roman Bardet or Peter Sagan? Ugh, probably Peter Sagan. <laughs> so you get one point for Roman Bardet, and I get three points for Peter Sagan. So who won? That would be me with six. Emily came in second place on four. There's just I give two you a people. D minus. There's just two people. <laughs> I give me an A. Okay. All right. Uh, well, that was I'm fun. Do the rest really fast. Let's talk about um, some of our other thoughts here um, from the tour. Close this out. Let's talk about the uh, crowds and the COVID a little bit. What, oh my God. what was your takeaway as far so as good. crowd? So good. I mean, here's the thing with the time difference. We watch the tour at what, like five, six o'clock in the morning. There's nothing more outrageous. I don't even want to use the word like, ins yeah, I definitely want to use the word insane. If we turn on the TV, both of us are not awake yet. And then we just hear the announcement from whomever we're watching that Christian Pudong got COVID. It's like, they only tested positive for two people, and Christian Pudon is one of the two. And then the unidentified rest tour, unidentified tour uh, official. It was what they first said, and they came back later and said, "Oh yeah, it's Christian Pudon." It's just so outrageous, and also, thank God, like nobody else, especially the writers, got tested positive. And that's just like makes me so um, thankful, but it's just completely ridiculous. And the other ridiculous was like the the French, like the, the president was also the in the prime car. minister the had been in the car in the car, and it's just like, what? This is insane. That's like the most craziest. Like, what would this in comparison to for like F one race? Like, who would be getting COVID head of F one? Yeah, the, well, it used to be Bernie Eccleston, but now it's like the uh, Chase Carey. 
I mean, it's like, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. So, so what did you think about the crowds? Because clearly there Terrible. were there were a lot of crowds on a lot of the climbs that didn't they didn't seem discouraged. Some in the cities, it seemed like people were wearing masks a little bit, not as much on the mountaintops. And then there was the eerie calm of the Champs Elysees, where the crowds were really kept away. Um, did you think that that there were more people on the routes than you expected to see? Yes, especially in the mountain stages. I thought it was so not safe, COVID-friendly at all, considering this is the number one event that's happening in France representing the country during a world pandemic. They had all the resources, the military, the National Guard. I'm sure they have that version in France. They could have just moved all these people and just get more staff and figure out a way to do crawl control, and they didn't. And there's all these people did not wear masks, being so close to the riders, breathing to them and shouting physically next to them, not even socially distanced. It's just, I thought it was terrible. It is pretty, pretty remarkable that the race finished in all, you know, all things considered, but, but no riders tested positive. So pretty, pretty, um, pretty good. I know, but they're just like one spit away from catching COVID. Let's let's spend a, a quick moment talking about the coverage because we um, I, I would say that I give us an A on the amount of tour that we watched. I don't think we've ever watched as many minutes of the Tour de France considering um, how we would wake up around four thirty five five thirty every morning and kind of turn it on and then doze. Um, but but we saw almost every kilometer of the Tour de France in one way or another this year. But we did change things up a little bit with the um, coverage. Illegal? I wouldn't say that. But I do think the coverage was um, what we we, we were able to access... um, you know, for journalistic purposes, some of the other feeds and uh, and rate them. Um, Okay, so... Like, well, we go to jail. I think we, we need to start by, by with the elephant in the room, which is that Phil Liggett is so bad. He needs to <laughs> he needs to leave. It's time. We couldn't... We were forced to turn to other methods to watch because Phil Liggett is unbearable. He... I... I if I was... If... I guess I should say, if the Tour de France was in the American time zone and I was going to stay awake or be awake in tweeting i would have created a phil liggett mistakes twitter account and it would have had 200 um tweets because it was it was just it was just him calling the writers the wrong name usually their dad's name him um you know just making comments that made no sense he's unbearably bad and i feel bad for bob roll to have to sit there and try to cover for him um you know Paul Burmeister in the studio. He's not a cycling host. Uh, Christian Vandeville, kind of the bright spot, but um, Chris Horner's unbearable. He's bad. Oh my bad. god, no, he can't. He can like talk. I don't. I don't understand. Like, I feel like we could have done a better job. And Adam Blythe on the motorcycle. I mean, he oh did his god. best, but he's certainly no not Steve a, Perino. Not a Steve Perino. We need to. I'm gonna gonna find an email address for NBC Sports. I am gonna write to the communications department. And we need to um, file a complaint because it, it, it can't happen. It just cannot carry on. 
So we were forced off of NBC, and but but you know in, in past years we've been able to access the um, Eurosport coverage and the ITV coverage, but not live. But but this year um, we were able to access it live, and it made all the difference. Um, we do like the ITV coverage, especially the one hour version. I think David Miller, um, the analyst, and Ned Bolting, the the uh, commentator are, are great i really think that they do a good job um gary imlock chris boardman and peter kenyuk in the um studio are great um my big problem with itv is the commercials they are so frequent it's really hard to watch live they cut out a lot of good stuff and it's just um it's just not i mean it, it, i guess the problem being when you're watching the NBC coverage on the DVR, you can fast forward. But if you're watching the live stream from the UK, you can't fast forward. So ITV was not a major part of our consumption. Instead, we really turned to Eurosport. And oh my gosh, the Eurosport coverage is so great, especially the GCN Race Pass, which has zero commercials. You can watch the Tour de France live with zero commercials. And even better, you can watch it on delay with zero commercials. You just rewind and then you can just watch. It's so great. Um, so we were able to watch their coverage. It's Carlton Kirby and Rob Hatch uh, playing tag team, Sean Kelly, Brian Smith, and a lot of uh, Bradley Wiggins. Uh, and then Jonathan Edwards doing the uh, popping in to talk about the um, popping in to talk about the different cultural uh, spots. A little bit of Contador in the morning in Spanish too. I um, I guess if if I have to pick one commentary team, I'd take the ITV team. But overall, the Eurosport coverage is second to none. Yeah, and people don't make mistakes. And you know who you're watching. And their analysis is top-notch. And I feel like their voices are very soothing. And no one is, like, stuttering, like Chris Horner. <laughs> So it'll be interesting to see how we uh, carry this forward into the Giro and the Volta. Um, We're so inappropriate. We have we are literally saying things like as if no one's listening. Um, but I want to move on to uh, what ha- what else has been going on in the world of cycling and looking Quickly. forward. Uh, Torino Adriatico took place during the tour. We actually watched the majority of it after the tour was over. Last couple days, uh, first place was Adam Yates, or excuse me, Simon Yates. Simon Yates, great win for him. Garrett Thomas ended up coming in second after the ITT, 17 seconds back of Yates. So Garrett Thomas put in a great ITT, cutting quite a bit into Yates's time, but not enough to take the win. Rafa Micah, who looked great in the mountains, was in third. Wilco Kelderman fourth, and uh, Vlasov fifth. Uh, stage wins one and two by Pascal Ackerman with two of really, really great sprints. Uh, Fernando Gaviria was there, looked primed to take both the sprints. Pascal Ackerman just walloped him. Michael Woods put in a great ride early in the blue jersey for him after a stage three win, which he held a couple days, but wasn't enough in the tall mountains. Um, Mitchelton Scott's Lucas Hamilton took stage four. Simon Yates took stage five and never looked back. Tim Merlier of Alpecin Phoenix, the um, I think he's the Belgian sprint champion. He won stage six. Matthew Vanderpool, the Dutch champ, one of the uh, hot young riders, took stage seven. Also, also he's on Alpecin Phoenix. And then uh, Filippo Ghana, the Ineos uh, rider, uh, won the ITT. 
Um, points jersey went to Ackerman. Mountains classification to Hector Caratero of Movistar. Young Rider was Vlasov. And the team win went to Sunweb. But Trainer Adriatico, I think, is really interesting because Trainer Adriatico this year is kind of the um, Dauphiné of the Giro. And it will, it's absolutely um, an AB Peloton, right? We've got the A Peloton that went to the Tour, and we've got the B Peloton that is going to go to the Giro. Um, and this was the B Peloton. It's all the same riders that we're going to see at the Giro. I mean, there'll be some switches, but, you know, more or less. Uh, this was it. And Simon Yates looking really good. Um, I wish this was not happening during the Tour de France because <laughs> I feel like it would have been nice to really follow Garen's this race. Yeah, second place overall. You think he's got to be pretty happy with that though, right? A hundred percent. And looking ahead of the Giro, it's just like super great and it's like really good tactic but again if he's placing second at the Torino Roderick if he went to the Tour de France maybe he could have been the one to punch okay quick transfer news uh one of the rumored before and and I guess now rumored to be true Richie Port is headed to Ineos uh it's been announced that uh Superman Lopez will be leaving Astana no word yet on where he's headed uh, Alejandro Demarchi is going to Israel Startup Nation. Matteo Trentin is headed to UAE. And Wilco Kelderman will be headed to Bora. So genuinely strong uh, GC contender, at least for the future, and Wilco Kelderman to Bora. Um, take this where you want. Richie to Ineos, probably the biggest news there, right? Yeah, I think maybe Richie just does better under that type of strict robotic environment. And it's pretty clear this is him saying he's not there to win, you know, Grand Tours. Yeah, and then he's there to be a super domestic again, and that might work really well, and it's, like, totally okay because he's kind of, like, 35, getting to, like, the second half towards the end of his career. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, when you're Richie, you just got third place on the Tour de France, and you're just, like, I'm sure that he's getting paid a lot of money to to be a super domestic, kind of like when Vasil Kirienka was, like, super strong, for so many years, and he was com- perfect content, even though he also could be could be a GC rider on any other given team. Right, or Kwiatkowski, or a lot of the riders over there. Yeah, pretty much like all the riders. <laughs> all right, looking forward, uh, the World Championships have been rescheduled and will be starting on Friday. Whoa. Uh, that will be the ITT. It's a 31.7 kilometer flat ITT. Then Sunday is the uh, road race. It's 258 kilometers, long one. Um, it's more or less a, a punchy, climbery kind of uh, race. A good, I'd say it's a pretty good uh, world championship um, race. Um, all right, favorites. I just pulled this straight from Cycling News, so hat tip to them. Their favorites for the road race, Wout Van Aert, Greg Van Averma, Julian Alaphilippe, Mikhail Kwiatkowski, Mark Hershey, Alexei Lutsenko, Alejandro Valverde, Max Schachman, Dan Martin, Tade Pogacar, Primoz Roglic, Richie Porte, I wonder whether they like those three, Rigoberto Iran, George Bennett, uh, Nibali, Ulisi, Garen Thomas, Tom Pidcock, Michael Matthews. Uh, I, I don't think that this course suits the... Real climbers like Pogachar, Roglic, Richie, uh, Nibali, uh, Garrett Thomas. I I think that it's probably a punchier. Um, it, you wanna you wanna roll the dice and put your money on someone now? 
Um, I mean, besides Pogachar, maybe Michael Kwiatkowski or... Um, I mean, I honestly always like to see someone like a... I don't know, maybe Junial Philippe? I think that's good, but but I think uh, my money would have to be on Wild Bun Art. Uh, Makes sense. Notable writers not there, Peter Sagan, uh, the current world champ Mads Peterson, and uh, Matthew Vanderpool. Uh, the three of them will not be uh, riding the road race. As far as the ITT competitors um, or favorites, Remy Cavagna, Casper Asgreen, Wild Van Art, Tom Dumoulin, Victor Campanertz, uh, Filippo Ghana, Stefan Kung, and the current champ, Rohan Dennis. Uh, pretty flat. What do you think? Tom Dumoulin? I mean, he looked pretty good. Um, Wild Van Art, he was so great during the tours ITT, but is... Dan Martin, not part of the ITT? Don't know. Oh, okay. Um, okay, I'm going to go with Remy Cavagna. All right, and then that, that brings us to our preview of the Giro. <laughs> Just kidding. There's not much to say. We do not know uh, the final list of riders yet, so we probably will not have another episode before the Giro d'Italia starts um, since it starts a week from Saturday. But Maybe you can have one with your dad. But I will say that um, we're going to try to do another episode mid-tour before the um, Volta starts. But but as a very quick preview, uh, it starts on Saturday the 3rd of October. There's a 15-kilometer downhill ITT. There's an uphill finish on Stage 2 and a Cat 1 summit finish on Stage 3. So similar to the tour, there's a, an early GC tester. Um, summit finish on stage nine, another ITT on stage 14, this one 34.1 kilometer, and a brutal summit finish on stage 15. So uh, the weekend after next will be really fun to watch. Then on the final week, we've got summit finishes on stage 17, 18, and 20, and we finish with a third ITT, 15.7 kilometers in Milan. Early faves... Hmm, Simon Yates, Garrett Thomas, Nibali, Christveit, Kelderman, Micah, Fuglesang. I'm not going to ask you to pick who you think is going to win the Giro, but any thoughts on this year's Giro and the contenders? Garrett Thomas. <laughs> I mean, can I just pick right now? I guess you have. have. another episode. Are uh, you going to pick someone? No. Why wouldn't just... You can pick Stephen Kreiswijk. Oh, I can. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Just picking it for you. But does NBC cover the Giro? No. Oh, okay. So we have to watch like Eurosport. Yeah, well, I'm kind of not watching NBC for any cycling anymore. Oh, no. Uh, uh, aside from the Giro, there's some other races coming up this um, last month of the entire calendar. It's so funny how this works this year. The Bink Bank Tour starts Tuesday the 29th. Um, and uh, it runs through Saturday the 3rd. Uh, and then it's classic season, <laughs> mid-Giro classic season. Do you think the weather is going to play a huge factor, the fall? It certainly didn't in France. I mean, other than the first day being rainy, the rest of the tour was really nice. Um, we've got Flesh Wallone on Wednesday the 30th. We've got Liege-Beston-Liege on Sunday the 4th. 
We've got Brabant's Appeal on Wednesday the 7th, Amstel Gold Saturday the 10th, Ghent Wevelgum Sunday the 11th, also Perry Tours is taking place that day, uh, Shelter Priest on Wednesday the 14th, the Tour of Flanders on Sunday the 18th, and uh, then the Volta starts <laughs> on the 20th, mid-Giro, and then Bruges de Pan on Wednesday the 21st, and Perry roubaix on Sunday the 25th, which is also the day that the Giro ends. So if it's a Sunday or if it's a Wednesday, you better be watching cycling. I mean, it's just like there's so many races at all times. All times. I mean, if I were them, I would just like get more riders. They should like recruit more, pe- recruit more people. Are you going to fly to Europe? No, absolutely not. We're not welcome in Europe. No way. I'm like the COVID, um, I'm like the COVID poster child when I go to Europe. They'd be like quarantining her ASAP. Um, well, if you're in quarantine, you can at least be watching cycling and you can also be listening to the Peloton of Fun. Thank you for doing so. You can find us by going to soundcloud.com slash Peloton of Fun. You can find us on any of your podcast apps where if you could leave us a review or a rating, we would be very happy. You can find us on Instagram at Peloton of Fun or you can email us Peloton of Fun at gmail.com. And for those of you who is looking to buy these like official tour t-shirts, they're like looking at Case and Aldridge's like child size is a 3-4. So if you see the photo on Instagram... You, you want to buy him decide. a pink jersey. If you want to buy him a pink... Oh, I should give him a pink jersey. And a red jersey. And a red jersey. But you know what? Those things take us like two weeks to get here. We'll be here in time for the, the Walta. Okay, let's find him the Walta jersey because you already have a Wolfie. Until next time, this is Ryland. This is Emily. Fight for pink. And red. And red.